Well, good morning, Spring Branch. Uh, a little bit of a unique circumstance that we're not able to be together in church this morning, but we came in to record this service for you so you could enjoy it and experience it together with your family. We pray it's a blessing to you, that you can worship with us, that you can take in the message, and that God will touch your heart. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing you, I find my rest, and without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you Every hour I need you My one defense My righteousness Oh, God, how I need you The sin runs your grace is more where grace is found is where you are and where you
When darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own And when brokenness and pain is all I know No, I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love Oh, thank you, Jesus Your shame no longer has a place to hide and I am not a captive to the lies And I'm not afraid to leave my past behind No, I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My fear it doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Oh, we're standing. There's power that can break off every chain. Yeah. And there's power that can empty out the grave. There's resurrection power that can save There's power in your name There's power in your name There's power that can break off every chain And there's power that can empty out the grave and there's resurrection power that can say There's power in your name Power in your name And my fear, it doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Oh, we're standing. Oh, we stand on your promises, Jesus. Oh, we stand on your love, Jesus. Oh, we stand on your faithfulness, Jesus. Oh, we stand on your protection, Jesus. Stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your
trials and tribulations you are there through the valleys you are there through the mountaintops you are there you never leave us you never forsake us Jesus you guide us through every situation and even when we feel you aren't you aren't there you are right there with us just pouring out your love your grace and your mercy so whether it be together in church or by video whatever it may be God each of us as a family as a church give you glory and honor and praise in the name of the Most High Jesus and everyone said together, amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. Well, good morning, Spring Branch. Uh, it is good to be together. Uh, though we're apart physically this morning, uh, we're not going to practice spiritual distancing, right? Uh, this is Bedside Baptist, call it Rollover Reformed, Church of the Holy Comforter. Uh, it is great to be together even though we're not physically together. Uh, I'm excited about this new series called Miracles of Jesus. This morning, uh, we'll be talking about how Jesus changed water to wine at a wedding. Uh, before we jump into that, just want to celebrate this past week, we had over 34,000 meals packed uh, through Rise Against Hunger. Uh, almost 200 of you were here at the church packaging meals uh, for those who are under-resourced and undernourished in Nicaragua. So great job. What a step up, church. Uh, we are a church that is not just in the city, in the world. We want to be for the world and for those who are in need. So great job. Uh, I just want to take a moment and just recognize the elephant in the room, right? Obviously, we're not together this morning because of this virus that is sweeping across our globe. It's just, it's scary, isn't it? I just want to acknowledge that it's okay to feel the way you're feeling. Um, I've been having a conversation with Lindsay and our kids and some of our friends about what's going on. And these are scary times, challenging times. But now more than ever, we need to stick together and seek Christ and seek the hope that we have in him. And uh, I just want to open up in prayer and just pray for um, our city, our neighborhoods in this world. Join me in prayer. God, thank you for uh, being with us this morning. God, thank you for uh, the opportunity to worship you and to hear your word. Uh, Lord, uh, we don't understand why this virus is sweeping across our world, and we don't understand why 
We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. But God, we do know who you are. You're a God of love and of power. Lord, I pray that you would do a miracle. I pray that you would intervene. I pray that you would take away this virus, that you would give the doctors and give the medical personnel wisdom to know how to treat this virus. And God, give us strength and courage in the midst of this time. Uh, Lord, I do pray for the military. I pray for our, uh, our military personnel all across the world, even domestically, God, that you would give them comfort and give them courage and strength. Lord, surround their families with your love. I thank you for their sacrifice. Uh, again, God, bless this time together. Uh, give us wisdom. Give us peace during this time. Uh, Lord, open up our eyes so that you may reveal to us uh, wonderful things in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we are entering into a new series called Miracles of Jesus as we head towards Easter. And the first miracle, Jesus changes water to wine in John chapter 2. And did you know that there are 38 miracles all throughout the Gospels that Jesus performed? Um, but check out this statement in uh, the last chapter of, of John, um, John 21, verse 25. John says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, get this, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So we've got 38 uh, miracles uh, accounted for in the Gospels, but uh, John pretty much says there were so many other miracles, so many miracles, too many to count that Jesus performed while he was here on earth. Now John was an eyewitness. What's an eyewitness? Well, if you've ever been in a court setting, my dad uh, was a judge uh, throughout my childhood. He would come home and, and tell us stories about uh, people being convicted of crimes and how there was a jury and how there were eyewitnesses. And, and he would always say that the eyewitness was the most powerful uh, form of evidence, right? And so when somebody sits up there and says, I saw this, I heard this, I smelled this, I mean, that, that is maybe not proof but it's pretty strong evidence in a court of law that uh, something did happen. I mean, we all have experiences throughout the days where we, where we see something or hear something and we, we, we know that it was real. So John, was a, he was a credible eyewitness. Why was he credible? Well, we know that the, the disciples followed Jesus for three years. Jesus died on the cross. And after Jesus rose from the grave, which we'll celebrate at Easter, we see these disciples laying down their lives for what they believed was true. To me, that is the biggest, most significant form of evidence uh, that Jesus did what he did and that he died and that he rose from the grave. The fact that people are willing to die for what they believe. Now, I think it's true um, just for anybody, regardless of your spiritual journey. It's true in this world that people will die for what they know to be true. People won't die for a lie, right? Now, we, from our perspective, may say that, that that's a lie. But when that, when that, when that person dies, he, he is dying, he or she is dying for something they, they believe to be true, even though it may be a lie. Make sense? Nobody dies for a lie. Everyone dies for something that they believe beyond a shadow of a doubt is true. And that's what we find here with the disciples. John 
he, he lived a long life. He was uh, cast away on this uh, deserted island of Patmos, and he was beaten and mocked and ridiculed and left for dead. He lived a long life, but all the other disciples, including Peter, he was crucified upside out. But these disciples, man, they laid down their lives for what they knew to be true, and that was Jesus, real Messiah, Savior, laying down his life for us to forgive us of our sins. Because there's no such thing as blind faith, right? No such thing as blind faith. Yes, there are many things that God wants us to trust in that we don't actually see and touch and smell. Um, but he has given us so much evidence through, our, through the creation, uh, through his word, uh, about what he did uh, was actually true, and that he actually did it. Um, John 20, verse 30 through 31, John uh, says, these signs, these miracles, get this, they are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So what's the point of all these miracles that Jesus performs? What's the point of all these signs and wonders? Well, here's the purpose. Here is the overarching goal. These are written, Jesus performed these miracles, so that you may believe in him, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's just pause there for a second. How many of us need some life? How many of us are looking for life? We're looking for meaning, we're looking for purpose. And in this current situation that we have in our world, we are fighting for our lives. We really are, we're fighting for our physical lives. We're quarantining, we're, um, we're buying toilet paper at the store, hand sanitizer, soap, we're, we're, we're shutting down schools, and um, it's crazy. We are fighting for our physical, earthly lives, and we should. Our lives are precious. May we also fight for our spiritual lives. May we also seek Jesus now more than ever. He came to give us life, life to the full, life to abundance, life eternal. So may we find our life in Jesus. And these signs, these wonders, these miracles point to Jesus. It's not just Jesus changing water to wine, it's not just Jesus healing people, uh, it's Jesus demonstrating his power and his love to us that we might find life in him. Uh, a few years ago, I stood at the altar of our college chapel uh, it was 2003, June 14th, at about 3.35 in the afternoon, and I was standing up there on the altar, Canon and what was playing in the background, and uh, 200 or so of our family and friends were gathered around us, and I had butterflies. I mean, I was nervous, my palms were sweating, my heart was beating through my chest, and here comes the bride. Here comes the woman of my dreams. She's walking down the aisle, just flawless, just perfect, just beautiful, pure. Uh, she's walking down the aisle, and I don't know if you've ever been to a wedding, but there's something about that bride walking down the aisle. It's just, it's just so beautiful. It's so right. Now I'm standing up there, and I, I thought I'd prepare for this moment, and I made the mistake of telling somebody, oh, I'm not going to cry. I'm good. I'm good. But I, was, I was crying so hard in that moment, just humbled. That's what it was. I was just humbled that this beautiful woman, not just outside but inside, she was saying yes. She was saying yes to a covenant, to a long-term 
uh, forever, never stopping relationship with me, with me, and I knew myself pretty well. Uh, I had plenty of flaws, made plenty of mistakes, but there Lindsay was saying yes to Heath, and I was incredibly humbled by that. Um, wow, yeah, I mean, just amazing to think of God's unconditional love towards us. And I believe that it's a miracle. <laughs> That's one of the biggest miracles of all, is that God fully knows us, yet fully loves us, and uh, we can say uh, yes to him, and he will always say yes to us, and no, nothing will break that covenant that he has made with us. And I think it's, it, it's, it's such a cool thing that the first miracle that Jesus performed was, was at a wedding. It was at a wedding, and uh, I, I just think it's, it's pretty amazing to think that, 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 that Jesus first demonstrated his power, his supernatural power, his ability to, to, to make the impossible possible. The first time he demonstrated that was at a wedding. So let's pick it up in John chapter 2, 1 through 2. Um, John says, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. On the third day. Now this is the, this is the third day of Jesus' public ministry. So the first day, John the Baptist saw Jesus walking by uh, the Jordan River, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And so Jesus was first recognized as, as not just a human being, but as the Lamb of God, at least according to John. And so the disciples started following Jesus. Jesus selected his disciples on the second day. And the third day, Jesus invites his disciples to a wedding in Cana. And uh, we're just not talking about a literal uh, third day, which we are, but as you find throughout these miracles, there's always symbolism. And John, the Apostle John, in writing this, was also referring to uh, the beginning, right? In the beginning, in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what did John, what did God say happened on the third day? Do you remember? God created the water. He created fruit. He created plants. And you'll see how that coincides with this story. And in John chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, we read that in the beginning, God, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we see that John is really clear here that, that, that Jesus isn't just this teacher, he isn't just this great human being, this self-help guru, but he was the Son of God. In fact, he was God in the flesh. So, so John's just giving us a, a little bit of a reminder that, hey, Jesus has the power. He has a supernatural uh, ability to change our lives. And so we jump into uh, this wedding in Cana in Galilee. And Cana is a city about 8.5 miles northwest of, of Galilee. Uh, the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus invited his disciples uh, to the wedding. And if, if you're a disciple, that's pretty cool, right? Your first little field trip with Jesus is to a wedding. And by the way, a wedding did not just last one day or even two days back then. It lasted five, six, even seven days sometimes. I mean, this was a huge deal back then. Uh, verse 3, chapter 2, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Verse 3, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. 
Now, if, if that happened today, we would just run to Harris Teeter or Food Line and just get some more wine, right? Uh, but making wine back then was not just this real quick thing. And uh, it, I mean, it was just hours and hours and hours and hours, days of laborious uh, work where they would crush the grapes. And it was just this long, drawn-out process. Um, and wine was just such a precious commodity back then. And to run out of wine at a wedding in particular was a huge, huge deal. In fact, lawsuits often happened. Uh, you could be indicted. Uh, you, you could be sued uh, by the bride's family uh, for running out of wine. See, the groom and the groom's side of the family was in charge of paying for the wedding and the reception back then, as opposed to here, usually the bride and the bride's family is in charge of paying for everything. But uh, So if, if a groom and the groom's family ran out of wine at a reception, this communicated that the groom was not fit to provide for his bride. This was a huge embarrassment for the groom. A huge embarrassment for the groom's family. And this was an insult to all the family and friends who were gathered there that day and for the days following. To run out of wine, that was a big, big deal. Now, another symbolic moment here. In the Old Testament, wine symbolizes gladness. It symbolizes joy. And so what's really happening here is Jesus is pointing to a deeper reality. He's pointing to the fact that uh, his people, the Israelites, had lost their joy. They had, uh, they had run dry on joy. And so there, there Mary is admitting that the wine was empty, that it was fresh out. And I think for all of us, it's, it's a reminder to admit and to confess to Jesus that we're run dry. And I think right now, uh, just personally, I think it's, it's really a battle every day in the midst of this virus, in the midst of uh, this battle that is going on in this world. Uh, for me personally, it, it is an everyday choice to rejoice. Uh, happiness is built on circumstances, and right now the circumstances are not in our favor, right? Uh, but we can choose joy. We can say, you know what, even though things aren't going our way, even though this virus is spreading, even though there's a panic in this world, we can choose joy. We can be grateful for all that God has given us. And so I think it's important for us as followers of Christ to admit that we've run out of joy, to admit that we're a little empty, and to look to Jesus uh, for our security and for our comfort and for our joy. And that's what Mary does here. She seeks Jesus out. And she knows who he is. Remember the angel came to Mary even before Jesus was born and said, Mary, you're going to give birth to the anointed one, to the Messiah, to Jesus. And so she knew, right? She knew who Jesus was and the power that he had to, uh, to, to help the situation. So may we go to Jesus when we have problems and we have concerns. May we go to him for help. John chapter 2, verse 4. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, you may feel like Jesus woke up on the wrong side of the bed that day, right? It's like my first impression of this statement is like, Jesus, like soften up a little bit, buddy, right? You're at a party, have some fun, enjoy, enjoy the moment, help your mother out, solve this problem. Um, it seems like he's being disrespectful and impolite, but that's not really what's going on. Uh, the literal translation of, 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 
of, of, of woman is, is woman, uh, but, but the better meaning there is ma'am. It's ma'am. And I think Jesus is, is taking an opportunity to kind of separate himself a little bit from his mother and that his true authority is not his mother, it's his God, his, his heavenly father. And he says, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. What's he referring to? His mind, his eyes are so focused on the cross and the ultimate mission uh, that God has him on. So when he says, my hour has not yet come, he's referring to the hour of atonement. He's referring to that hour on the cross where he is going to lay down his life for us and, and sacrifice himself for our sins. He says, my hour has not yet come. Don't you, don't you know, don't you understand, Mary? Uh, now, now is not my time. Now, he, he's referring to that hour when he is going to lay down his life for us to forgive us. And again, he is, he is reminding Mary that his, his authority, who he's reporting to is not her, even though she's his mom. He is reporting to his heavenly father. He is going by the timetable of his heavenly father. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I love this. Do whatever he tells you. And if you have your Bibles out, just underline, highlight that phrase right there, those five words. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Another moment I think we can reflect on in our own lives is what is God trying to tell you right now? Maybe it's within your marriage. Maybe it's within your family, maybe it's at your workplace, uh, maybe it's just as we uh, look around this world and our country and this city, as we think about what could happen with this virus, what, what is God trying to tell you personally? Take a moment, all this chaos, just to pause and be still and just listen to God's voice and let him speak to you, let him work in your life. Because I believe that there's blessing. But there's blessing on the other side of our obedience. What stands in the way sometimes is our pride, taking things in our own hands, fear, doubt. I think we've got to turn to Jesus first and foremost. We've got to trust him. And we just have to obey and listen to his voice in our lives. Because I'm telling you, there is blessing on the other side of our obedience. And Mary just says, you know, I'm just going to leave it in Jesus' hands. I'm just going to surrender to him, it's going to leave it in his hands. Verse 6, let's see what happens next. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Six stone water jars. These jars were used uh, for the Jewish rites of purification. What's that mean? Basically, if you were to go anywhere back then, if you were to go to a party, a dinner, into the temple to worship God, uh, your responsibility was to make sure your body uh, you, was clean. It was purified. So whether it was your feet, no clothes, toed shoes back then, so your feet were just covered whatever dust you were walking in throughout the day. Um, so th those jars, that water was filthy. It was, it was dirty, right? And so some of those jars may have been filled up a little bit, maybe two-thirds away or a third of the way. Some of them may have been empty. Uh, but, but, but Jesus tells the servants to fill the jars with water. Fill the jars with water. Verse seven through eight. Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. Each of these jars held 20 to 30 gallons. 
I mean, that's, that's a lot of water, right? Now, the water uh, cleansed the outside, right, of, 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 our, of our bodies. Jewish rites of purification. But I think another symbolic moment here is that, is that Jesus is kind of turning the tables here. He's kind of flipping the switch, so to speak. And he's offering kind of a, a picture of what he's going to be accomplishing down the road, that hour of atonement. Now, he, he is going to be changing this water to wine. I, I, I've already spoiled the ending here for you. Um, but the, the, the point here, the, the lesson is, is that Jesus is more concerned about our inside than our outside. He's more concerned about the way our hearts look than our performance or the way we're presenting ourselves to the outside world. See, Jesus didn't come to make us better. He came to make us new. And the wine symbolizes his blood, his blood shed on the cross, that hour of atonement, atoning for our sins, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus is flipping the switch here. He's giving, a, he's giving a, a forward kind of picture, a sign that says, I came not to make you better, but to make you new. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And he's saying, I have come to wash your heart, to cleanse your heart, and to make you new. Clean slate, fresh start, new beginning. That's what God came to do through Christ. And he says, fill the jars with water, and, and they fill them up to the brim. Why? Because I, I, I just think that, that God's love is just overflowing, right? His love never fails. It never runs out, amen? In a world that, that runs out of medicine, in a world that runs out of money, in a world that runs out of things, toilet paper, hand sanitizer, God's love does not run out. How many of us are thankful for that today, that we can go to him and know that his love is overflowing, it's filled to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. You don't get the feeling here that these servants paused or hesitated, right? But these are, these are stone water jars for purification, Jesus. Don't you understand? It's dirty, it's filthy. It's not like they hesitated or asked questions. They just obeyed. They filled them up, and they took it out to the master of the feast. The master of the feast was the, kind of the master of ceremonies, kind of the, the, the DJ, the one who kind of facilitated the whole experience, and the one who was hired by the groom to make everything run smoothly. And so I could just picture these guys, these servants, carefully taking this cup, all the way out to the master of the feast for him to taste it. And, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is, gonna, this is gonna go south really quick. This is gonna be a huge embarrassment. Another lesson here, I think, for all of us is to obey despite doubt. Obey despite doubt. There are so many things that are unknown in this world right now in our lives, right? But God wants us to take that next step. Even when we don't have all the answers, he wants us to take that next step and just trust him that he's got it all planned out. He wants us to participate. He wants us to be, us to be a part of the miracle, right? And all it takes is for us is to participate and obey and just take that next step and just trust that he is gonna provide for us. And I could just picture the servants carefully taking uh, the cup and I, I, I'm not sure when the water actually changed to wine. Maybe it was the, the second 
they dipped the cup into the jar, or maybe it was while they were transporting the cup to the master of the feast, or maybe it was like right before the master tasted the wine. But I can just picture them walking very carefully, maybe shaking Maybe so nervous, so anxious. They're walking, walking, walking to the master of the feast, and they're taking, taking the wine to the master. And maybe they start noticing something different. In their obedience, in their step of faith, they start noticing a miracle. And I can just picture in that moment, kind of like a movie. All the music stops. Everything kind of is like in, in, in slow motion. And the master of the feast puts the, the cup to his lips, kind of smells it, takes a sip. Everybody's kind of holding their breath. And he says this, verse 9, when the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, Though the servants who had drawn the water knew. See, they had special insight because they participated in the miracle. They were obedient. We have special insight. We have a front row seat to see God do something impossible. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. The groom gets all the credit, Right? We get all the credit for what Jesus did. We get all the credit for what Jesus did. What's that mean? Jesus died on the cross for us. He rose from the grave after three days. He washes our hearts through his blood. And we, we get the credit for his perfect, sinless, flawless, blameless life. We are wiped clean. We are forgiven. We're made new. We get the credit for what he did. Isn't that beautiful? That's what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's telling everybody, hey, I'm about to do something amazing. You think this was amazing, changing water to wine? I'm about to do something incredible, extraordinary. He's given a picture of what he's going to do in that hour of atonement on the cross. Everyone serves the good wine first. Can you imagine this moment? Just rejoicing and celebration. I mean, Jesus changed foot water. He changed stinky, cloudy, murky water. And he changes our hearts, our hearts that are full of warts and scars and, and just all of our sins of the past, present, and future. God can transform us and make us new. He can make us uh, a new creation. Just amazing what Jesus is doing here. The final verse, verse 11, chapter 2. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee. He manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is a sign. Miracles are just signs. They're just signs pointing to the power and love of Jesus. And sometimes it takes something extraordinary, something supernatural to get our attention, right? And that's what Jesus is doing here. You're going to drive your car out 
to, to Harris Teeter or Food Line or somewhere this week, and you'll see signs along the way, and every sign that you see points you to somewhere, gives you directions, right? Just want to encourage you to look for signs this week. Look for signs of God's love and his power. Even in the midst of all this unknown, all this fear, all this doubt, look for where God is moving. Look for where God is working. Three takeaways real quick before we go today. Seek Jesus. Just as Mary sought Jesus and looked for Jesus, may we seek Jesus. Even more now during this time of crisis, this challenging time we find ourselves in, pursue Jesus. Seek Jesus through his word, through prayer. Gather in small groups of people. Study his word. Hear his voice. Seek Jesus, that's where true comfort and hope and peace comes from. Seek Jesus, obey Jesus. Just like the servants obey without asking all kinds of uh, questions or needing explanations, they just simply obeyed. They obeyed Jesus. Participate in the work of Jesus. Listen to his voice, just obey, obey. Thirdly, and finally, believe Jesus can do a miracle. Do you believe Jesus can do a miracle? We need a miracle, don't we? We need God to step in and intervene during this time. We need God to intervene in our own lives. We need him to intervene in our finances. We need, we need him to intervene in our marriages, in our families, in our workplaces. We need God to do something supernatural and miraculous. Do you trust him to do a miracle in your life? The final question today is, where do you need to trust God to do a miracle in your life? Write that down. Where do you need God? Where do you need to trust God to do a miracle in your life? Well, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, I hope that was encouraging, challenging to you, uh, wherever you find yourself in life right now. Uh, my hope and prayer is that, uh, is that we can find hope and encouragement and comfort in a God who does miracles, and a God who can do the extraordinary. Um, and I just want to um, leave you with a final challenge. Um, we, we have uh, incredible ministries here at Spring Branch, and we want to continue to be the hands and feet uh, of, of, the, uh, of Jesus in the community. And uh, so in order to do that, we, we need to, to, uh, to have financial giving. And so even though we're not meeting physically together uh, today, uh, and we'll make plans for the following weeks as well to stay tuned to our communications. Uh, but even though we're not meeting physically, I just want to challenge you, encourage you to, to give financially. Um, and you can do that even though we're not together. You can do that uh, through springbranch.org backslash giving. I believe there'll be um, a little graphic there up on the screen. Uh, but you can also download the PushPay app. And I just want to say thank you ahead of time for choosing to be a part of this mission, choosing to be a part of this miracle that God is doing at Spring Branch and in this city. Please pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that we can seek you whenever and however. God, thank you that uh, you give us the strength to obey you, even when we don't know all the answers. God, thank you that uh, we can believe that you can do a miracle. God, thank you for each person uh, gathering today in living rooms and Lord, we uh, just want your Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're moving, Lord. You are the miracle worker, the way maker. And uh, Lord, I just thank you uh, 
for reminding us that your love overflows. Uh, your power is never ending. And God, we can trust you no matter what. Thank you, God. We love you so much. We pray all this in your son Jesus' precious, beautiful name. Amen.
Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is who you are. Yes, that is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are, Jesus. That is who you are, God. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. We trust you. And even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Cause you are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, your light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, yes, Jesus, you are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, your light in the darkness, my God, that is who you That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you I just want to say, uh, stay tuned for further communication this week through our social media outlets and uh, through email. If you don't receive our emails, uh, just email info at springbranch.org, and we can make sure you're on that, that email uh, database. Uh, but be praying for our church leadership as we make decisions in the next few weeks. We're praying for you. Uh, let us know how we can pray for you as well. Uh, but we're all in this together, 
going to be unified uh, together these next few weeks. Um, so God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.